Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, what is going on, One Life Church? It is good to see you today. You guys excited to be at church this morning? If you are, throw your hands together one more time. If you love Jesus. Hey, we're going to have a great day today. Hey, if you are our guest today, again, just like Nick said, it is an honor to welcome you today to One Life Church. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and it really is the joy of my life to get to serve you along with our incredible dream team, who is honestly my hero. Hey, before we get started, I just want to do something we do every Sunday, and I want to look into the camera and welcome our online church family. Come on, church family. Throw your hands together. Welcome those who are joining us online today. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah, you are a family, and thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. All right, you guys, we are in the summer. Come on, it was like 100 degrees last week, and what is it, like 70 today? Like, come on, man, I love Idaho. Anybody else love Idaho for that very reason? Hey, so we're kind of like starting this new summer series. It's called The Best Summer Ever. And most of our series are kind of like, you know, based on a theme or like last uh, month, we went through the book of Galatians, kind of a verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Well, what we're going to do throughout the summer uh, for the month of June and July is you're going to get a lot of what I call a standalone message. What does that mean? It means every Sunday is just going to be a different topic. Uh, You're going to get to hear from a lot of incredible guest speakers along the way, some of my overseers who oversee our church that I dearly love, and you're going to get an opportunity to hear from them throughout this series as well. But to kick it off today, I just want to say this. Everybody say, it's time time. to have the best summer ever. Do y'all believe that? Come on. Is it just me? It really is. And I believe that in order to have the best summer ever, you guys, you can't do it alone. You've got to do life together, and that's why we have small groups. Everybody say small groups. Yeah, what are small groups? Hey, everybody, they're groups that are small. Yeah, I know, right? No, they're groups that are small, but they're, they, the sole purpose of a small group is to create an opportunity for you to meet your new best friend. It's to create community because we honestly believe that life change happens in life-giving relationships. In fact, you're going to hear a lot about that today. So small groups, they launch today. And by the way, if you've ever wanted to attend a small group, now is the time because like if you just want to kind of put your toe in the water and kind of feel if it's warm enough to get in, I'm telling you, it feels great. You got an opportunity to try it for five weeks. Our small groups from the semester and the summer are shorter than any other. Why? Because everybody wants to travel, go on vacation. And so you're going to have a lot of fun. In fact, I was reading through some of the small groups. You've got about 16 to 17 opportunities to connect. And some of these are pretty phenomenal. How about some co-ed softball, everybody? Where are you at, co-ed softball? Yeah, I'm going to be visiting that group, and I know like a lot of us can lose our Christianity on the ball field, so you know, I mean, we work out a lot of issues on the softball field. Can I just say that? And so that'll be a lot of fun. There's dinner groups, y'all. There's breakfast groups. There's a student life group. Come on, students. We kick that off tonight. And this is one of my personal favorite. In fact, I'd love to come. I don't know if I can, but I'm going to at least try to make it at least once, I hope. And that is firearms and fellowship. Come on, you might live in Idaho when there is a small group around firearms and fellowship. I'm just 
saying. And so if you've not connected in a small group, can I encourage you to connect in a small group? In fact, that's what we're kicking off this series with. I'm saying it is time for together. And so look at our online directory, go to olc.church, click on the link, see what's happening. And can I just be honest? The goal is community. But in the summer, the cool thing about our small groups is that when we end our, on our fifth week, we end with something we call Serve Day. What is Serve Day? I want you to mark your calendars. You guys, Serve Day is on Saturday, July 10th. By the way, that just happens to be the last day of our small group semester. And what are we going to do? You guys, we're just going to simply be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're going to find very simple ways that we all can participate in just loving our community and loving our neighbor. And in fact, this is not something we just do at One Life Church. On this day, specifically around the globe, there are thousands upon thousands of churches that we're going to be gathering with to go out and love the fire out of our city. And there's several churches in the valley that are going to be doing it. And how cool is it that we're all collectively being what I call the capital C church? It's not just about One Life, but it's about the church, the kingdom of God advancing by being by loving people and serving people. And so here's how we do that. So if you're thinking, oh, Pastor Rat, tell me, like, what are we going to do as a church? Will you tell me what to do and I'll just show up for it? No, that's not how we roll here. No, you know how we roll here? We develop leaders. In other words, that means God's given you a gift. God's given you a passion. And it's not my desire to build a church upon what I want us to look like. It's my desire to build a church upon what we all look like. And so God's given every one of you gifts. He's given you all passions and interests. And the way we discover that is through small groups. And so what we're doing is we're empowering you as the small groups and those who are attending groups not just the leader, but the small group to collectively come up with a felt need in your group. And so what does that look like? It's, it could be like, hey guys, I've got a widow that's my next door neighbor and she needs her grass cut. Let's, why don't we go cut her grass? And y'all all may collectively come around that and not only cut her grass, but bring her food and whatever that may look like. There's a lot of different things that you can do to serve the community. In fact, if, you, if you're looking for ideas, hey, small group leaders and those who are attending small groups, if you're looking for ideas, go to our website, click on the button that says serve day. You'll see a whole page dedicated to serve day, answering all the questions that you might have, as well as giving you a ton of different ideas that you can do as a small group to reach the city. And I don't know about you, but I'm really, that fires me up and I'm looking for 100% participation, including those who are joining us online, because you can still be the hands and feet from an online family. Can I get a, get a, are you guys excited about serve day? If you are, let me hear an Amen. It's not what we do at One Life Church. This is who we are. We are a church of small groups, not with small groups. All right, you guys, as we jump into this message today, go to olc.church. If you haven't already done so, swipe down, click on a little button that says message notes. It'll open up a, a platform for you to kind of get to follow along with the message today. And you, you hear me say this every Sunday, but I mean it. I want to inspire you on a Sunday. I want to encourage you on a Sunday. But more than that, I want to give you the tools of God's word in your hand Monday through Saturday so you can live this thing out. And those who enjoy the notes, can I hear a good amen today, everybody? All right, so I, I, we already did this, but let's have a little bit of fun. Church is more fun, guys, when there's participation. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time, it's time. to have the best summer ever. Best summer ever. Yeah. 
It's time to move from where we are to where God wants us to be in our marriage, in our family, in our finances, in our home, in our relationships, in every aspect of our lives. My friend, I believe that if we're ever going to have the best summer ever, my friends, we've got to align our hearts from what we want to what God wants. In other words, to God's plan, God's purpose for our life. Why? Because I'm here to tell you it's better than yours. Look at a verse that I'm sure uh, many of you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, listen, I know the plans I have for you. Now time out for a minute, that word no. God's saying, hey guys, I know. In other words, you don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have it all figured out, but there is one who we need to trust that does have it figured out and his name is God. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Guess what they are? They're good, they're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Now, can I just tell you one thing? I grew up thinking God was all out to like strike me down with a bolt of lightning to harm me if I didn't line up, right? But look right here. God said, no, 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 no. That's not who I am at all. I want to prosper you. I don't want to harm you. No, no. I got plans not to take anything away from you, but to give you what? A hope and a future. Come on. In other words, God's saying, hey, guys, I want you to experience life to the fullest. I want you to have the best summer ever. Now, here's what I've discovered. Out of 27 years in ministry and serving God, I've discovered that Christianity, serving the Lord, it isn't an independent study. In fact, it's the opposite. It's a group project. Now, how many of you, now it's going to date a few of us, we're going to have to think really hard about this, but how many of you hated group projects in high school? Can I see you? Raise your hand. Come on, keep your hands up. Keep your, you hated group projects. You wanna, all right, so everybody look around the room. Those with their hands up, these are all the smart people, okay? You want to be friends with all the smart people. Can I just tell you, I love, I love group projects. Because I was a C student at best, but can I just be honest with you? When the teacher assigned me a group project, I was like, brother, that is a guaranteed A. All I got to do is show up and hang around. Like the teachers, we're on to you. We know what you're doing. You're trying to help us C students along. And all the C students said a good amen. Amen. Am I the only C student in the room that's honest? <laughs> I struggled, man. But as I began to think about group, group projects, I, I began to realize that Man, we're so much better together when we come together as a group. And when it comes to experiencing God's best, it's the same. God never wants us to do life alone because he wants us to experience all that he has, but we will never experience all that he has apart from people. Why? Because it's God's design. Like, I didn't come up with this. This isn't some really creative tool that a pastor thought, hey, let's just create some stuff for people to do to keep them busy during the week. So hopefully they'll come back next Sunday. No, it's not what it, it's not what it is. No, this is God's design. I'm going to show you. Look at Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, coming out of the Passion Translation. So, so One Life Church, now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us. Who's the hope that lives within us? His name is Jesus Christ. He's the son of God, the savior of the world. He's the one that had died on the cross to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin, to bring us life and eternity in heaven, but life and fulfillment on this planet. That is the hope that lives within me. Amen. Let's take up the offering. Let's go home. Amen. That's good preaching. This is good. So let us cling tightly to this hope that lives within us, knowing that who, that God, oh, guys, don't miss this. God always keeps his promises. Amen. 
you need to understand something. God will never leave you nor forsake you. If he says he's got a hope, a plan, not to harm you, but to give you good things in the future, I'm telling you, you can take it to the bank. He means what he says. God has incredible things in store for you. He wants you to live your best life. So what does he tell us to do? Look at the rest of the verse. So discover creative ways to encourage each other and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. And when I think of creative ways, I think of firearms and fellowship. Can you be any more creative? Can you do that in a church like that? Yes, you can, baby. I'm saying you can at one life. And so, by the way, this is not the time. Look at the rest of the verse. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Everybody say that word together out loud. Say it together. That's important. I love that word. In fact, it's kind of the theme of today, together. Don't give up meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Why? Because we need each other. I need you. You need me. We all need each other, guys. We need each other. In fact, not only should we come together even more frequently. No, excuse me. Let me read that again. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day of Jesus Christ's return. And my friends, he's coming soon. He's alive. He is risen. And he's coming back for his church. And we are his church. Y'all, that's an exciting place to say amen, that we're not going to be stuck. This is good. And so really what I want to do today is the first thing I really want you to see is that when it comes to being together, if it's time to be together, what does it look like? Well, the first thing is I just need you to understand that together, again, it's God's plan. Together is God's plan. In other words, it is God's design. Now, I'm just going to get real honest and truthful here. I used to think that life alone was really good, especially in my early 20s. I was even serving God in that time. But in my early 20s, I thought I was invincible, baby. Anybody else think they're invincible? Anybody in their 40s, 50s still think they're invincible? Okay. Um, so in my 20s, I love to ride dirt bikes. I love to ride motorcycles. That was kind of my thing. You know, I've been married for 15 years now, and my wife has departed a lot of wisdom into my life. And, uh, she, you know, I, I'll throw my man card out there. She won't allow me to ride motorcycles anymore. And that's okay. If that's the price I have to pay would be the, to be with the most beautiful woman on the planet, then I'll pay it. I'm just saying. But in my 20s, before I was married and all that kind of stuff, I was riding dirt bikes. <laughs> and so I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth at the time in my early 20s, and, and uh, I would take my dirt bike and go about two hours north. There's a little town called Munster, uh, Texas, M-U-E-N-S-T-E-R, Munster, Texas. And you hit that town of about 1,500 people. Then you take another 45 minutes north of there, and you're on the Red River. And the Red River basically is the dividing line between Oklahoma and Texas, Okay. And so I'd ride along the Red River. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And, and so here I am about two and a half hours north of Dallas. And then I park my truck and I'm about 30 minutes away from my truck in the middle of nowhere in God's country, just enjoying like the beauty and the fun and just having a good time. So I do this like every other weekend and just have a good time. Well, one day I went and I decided, hey, I want to take a friend with me because I had a motorcycle and an ATV, a four-wheeler. And so what I decided to do, I was like, okay, let's go together and I'll show you how much fun this is. And so he had ridden dirt bikes before, so I let him ride the dirt bike and I was riding the four-wheeler. Here we are two and a half hours north of Dallas in the middle of nowhere, about 30 minutes away from our truck. And there's this one place I love to jump because there was a time, like I was invincible. And so I'm on the ATV and I'm like, dude, let me show you what I can do. <laughs> and so I'm jumping, I'm coming off, I'm like kicking my feet off and I'm landing, I'm having a good time. And you know, pastors like to exaggerate. The hill was probably about this big, but in my mind, it was about this big, you know what I'm saying? And so we're doing it a couple times and then, you know, I'm, I'm good, everything's great. And they're like, you know, there's just, I need to do this one more time before we leave. I'm just saying, whenever your kids say, can I do this one more time? Say no, <laughs> because one more time is where you lose it, right? 
And so I did this jump one more time. And when I went up, I was pretty high. Literally, I was about five feet from the ground. And when I come down, my foot slips off the peg and there's no net under this ATV. So my foot hits the ground, back wheel pulls me under. I flip, the four-wheeler flips over me and I'm laying on the ground like, oh God, am I, like, am I still alive? Like I'm in complete shock because I'm like, there's no way that I didn't hurt myself. So my body is just thinking, you know, adrenaline's pumping and I'm doing this, I'm doing this, doing this, checking myself. And as I go down, I'm going to spare you the details because the last time I shared the details of this story, God on his truth. When we were launching this church, everybody, I met with a guy and we were swapping manly stories. He told me some stories of his scars. I was like, hey, cool. I'll share some of my scars. And I shared one of my scars. The brother flat out passed out on me in Starbucks. And if y'all know me, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm like, oh, dear God, I killed a brother. I'm trying to get on the launch team to help me launch this church. The manager comes out like, get some water, pour it on. Like, what do we got to do? Like, that's the reality. So I'm going to spare you the details because nobody's got time for that. But what I will say is as I began to pat myself, my hand went to around this region and I, I began to see things that you're not supposed to see in your body. And I called my friend. I said, hey, man, I think I don't know what's happened, but I may have broke my leg or something. And so he comes over and as a good friend, he rips it off his shirt and he ties a tourniquet around my leg, picks me up. I'm like, dude, I'm probably 200 pounds. He picks me up like nothing, swings me on the back of this four-wheeler. We drive 30 minutes to the truck, get in the truck, drive another 45 minutes to this little town of Munster, Texas. 1,500 people, you guys. There's a little hospital that had the little H, but we followed the blue H. It took me to an OBGYN in Munster, Texas. I had an OBGYN sew my leg up, everybody. Yes, I did. I'm just saying... And so, so why am I telling you this stupid, crazy story, right? I'm telling you it because if I would have been out there alone, I may still be out there this day. <laughs> I wouldn't be living my best life because there's no telling. I could have probably lost the rest of my leg. And if you want the gory details, I can tell you off the platform of everything else. So if you ever see me in shorts and you wonder what that scar is, that's a scar from like 20-something years ago. But if I would have been out there alone... I would have been in a creek without a paddle. You know what I'm saying? We're keeping it G-rated this morning, but you're going with me, okay? And so when I read this verse in Ecclesiastes that I'm sharing with you, I always read it through this filter. Look at this, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two people riding dirt bikes together <laughs> are better off than one. Why? For they can help each other succeed. Trust me, because if one person falls acting like a fool and hurts his leg, the other can reach out to him on the back of an ATV and help get him to the hospital. But someone who falls alone, who's riding by himself, that brother or sister is in some serious trouble. Serious trouble. So obviously I refer that to what I relate to with that accident. But let's be honest, like a lot of us are doing this in our life. And we're blaming God and we're saying, God, why am I experiencing this pain? Why am I experiencing these issues? Why am I experiencing? And the question I have is, who are you doing life with? And are you doing life alone? Or are you doing life together? Because you can still have issues and, and still do life together. But it's so much better because people are there to help. And if you're trying to do it by yourself, then you're in real, you're in real trouble. So as good as together is, and it is good, it is God's design. But I also need you to know that together isn't always easy. Together, doing life together in relationships, it isn't always easy. In fact, why? Because let's be honest, some of our biggest wounds, some of our biggest hurts are caused by some of the people that are closest to us. 
And what happens is that when we get hurt by people that we know and love or we have loved at one time who maybe broken trust or just even maybe a coworker, what happens is when they hurt us, we're like, no, 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 that's not going to happen again. So what do we do? We begin to build a wall, don't we? Around what? We build a wall around our heart and we're like, nope, not going to let you in again. In fact, not only am I not going to let you in, I'm not going to let anybody else in because if you broke trust with me and that happened, everybody else might do the same and I don't want to feel that pain, so I'm not going to go there again. So I'm going to isolate myself to the point that I'm just doing life, me, myself, and I don't need nobody else. I'm good. And what we think we're actually doing is we think we're actually doing ourselves a favor. Like we think we're actually hurting them, but the reality is we're hurting ourselves. And not only that, we've walked right into the trap that the enemy has set for us called isolation. Listen, guys, you got to understand something. God's design is together. The devil's design is apart. The devil's design is to destroy you, to get you so isolated, and he will use anything he can to try to annihilate and destroy you from ever having a life-giving relationship. Look, guys, 1 Peter 5.8. My job today, I want to remind you of this truth. Be alert, One Life Church. Hey, family, friends, be alert. Be of sober mind. Realize the importance that it is time for together. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour the isolated. Pastor Red, it didn't say the isolated. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched a documentary on National Geo? You ever watched a documentary on lions? Have you noticed that their feeding frenzy doesn't happen on a herd? No, no, no. They don't devour those who are in community in the animal kingdom. No, if you ever watch a lion documentary, who do they devour? Who do they destroy? Who do they take to the bank into their stomach? You know who it is? It's the isolated zebra. That's who it is. It's those who are isolated from the community of the herd. There's protection and safety in the herd and community. There is no protection in the animal kingdom when somebody is isolated. The lion knows that, and when they see that, they pounce, they pray, and that becomes a victim. So I don't know if you've ever looked at not only a documentary of lions, but as a lion's favorite snack is zebra, okay, what is zebras? Like, how, like what, what's their role? Like, how, what, how does that work? Like, science has proven they've done studies on zebras. What's really cool about zebras is that they all hang out together in community. Now you're thinking, well, how do they all hang out in community and one of them gets isolated? Because one of them's young and dumb and wants to ride motorcycles on their own by themselves because they think they're invincible. But all the other zebras who've lived a long time, they're like, they're together, but it's the young and dumb ones, right? They're the ones that end up getting isolated. Now, the cool thing about zebras is God designed them with these black and white stripes, which is not only cool for circuses or just, you know, going, oh, that's really cool. No, did you know there's a purpose for the black and white stripe? In fact, when they're together in community, those black and white stripes, when they're lined out, they create, and by the way, lions and stuff, they've proven that they're, they're colorblind. I have no idea how they know that, but they do. Okay, so they're colorblind. And so I'm doing this wave feature because as zebras, because they move along and they're together, it creates this effect as if there's like wheat in the field or grass. But when one of them gets isolated by themselves, it's like, well, that's, you know, that's a little peculiar. It looks a little different. And so zebras have learned there's safety, there's protection, a community. Same is true in our lives. In them, when it comes to life-giving relationships, I need you to understand that there's safety, that there is protection from the enemy who is trying to destroy you. There is safety and protection in life-giving relationships. Now, here's the question. Well, is it easy? No, it ain't easy. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. Take work? 
Absolutely. Is it messy? Is it messy? Yeah, it, it can get really messy. But are relationships worth it? Yes. And are they necessary? Absolutely. They're necessary. Why? Because there's, it, it's God's design for us to live our best life. And it's time for you to live your best life. It's time not only to have the best summer ever, but to have the best life ever. And it begins not only with a relationship with God, but a relationship with people and understanding this idea of together. So together is God's design. But secondly, I need you to know it's not easy. But thirdly, together, it's a choice. It's a choice. Guys, it's a decision. I need you to understand one thing about decisions. You're not always going to feel like making the right decision. Some people are like, I don't feel like being a part of a small group. Guess what? Join a club. Not everybody else feels like it either. But you know what I've learned? Choices lead, feelings follow. In fact, I'm the pastor of the church. I'm going to get real honest with you today. Like this morning, I didn't really feel like getting out of bed to come here today. I love you a lot, but I didn't feel like getting up. Why? Because that bed felt really good and it was like 50 something degrees outside. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, like, oh Lord Jesus. Do I really have to go today? He's like, yes, you're the pastor of the church. Okay. No. But do you know what? I make a choice, not only because it is my responsibility, but I've served the Lord 27 years, by the way, and I wasn't always a lead pastor. I was a volunteer many of those years. But I always knew that if I would make the choice, guess what would happen? The feeling would follow. The moment that I would walk in the door and I would see some of these guys this morning smiling and high-fiving, what's up, man? it's good to see you, man, laughing, encouraging, making jokes, cutting jokes, having a good time. Like all of a sudden, I was like, man, I'm glad I got out of bed this morning. I'm glad I'm in church this morning. I didn't feel like it a few hours ago, but man, it's good to be here to be encouraged. I'm saying, isn't it the truth? Together. God's plan. It isn't always easy, but it is a choice that you and I get to make. And if you make the choice, I'm just saying your life will be better. In fact, three to six months from now, I'm telling you, if you make the choice to get in a small group, do life-giving relationships, three to six months from now, you'll look at your marriage, you'll look at your relationships, you'll even look at your finances. You'll be like, you know, I'm not exactly where I was, but I'm a lot closer than I've ever been. In fact, you're like, what finances? Like, how can my finances get better by going to a small group? Okay, ask those who attended a small group this past semester, and they'll tell you. In fact, are you ready for this? This is some good news. This is a good place to put your hands together. Guys, our financial small group last semester in 13 weeks collectively paid off $49,000 in debt, everybody. Not only that, all the couples came out of that small group putting $1,000 in their savings account. And one of the couples in the group, they've saved enough money to pay for their wedding in cash. Come on, somebody. So don't tell me that you can't find freedom because there is no greater freedom than Jesus and no greater free freedom than being debt free. I'm just saying. And this happens how? Through life-giving relationships. There are men and women who decided, you know what, I may not feel like it, but I'm going to make the choice because I know my feelings are going to follow. And not only that, my bank account's going to change. And I'm going to be able to become a giver and advance the kingdom of God like never before to share what God's given me. I'm just saying it's time, guys, to stop making excuses and to join a small group. Hey, everybody, did you know that like uh, we launched small groups today? Did y'all know that? Can you put that on the screen, my friend? Let everybody see it one more time. It starts today. <laughs> Our online directory is live. Firearms and fellowship, man. I'm just saying, you're getting a lot of love, man. I don't know how many people are going to show up to that. I just think that's the coolest thing. Um, 
Guys, you'll never experience God's best. You'll never have the best summer ever. You'll never have the best life ever. I'm telling you, if you're doing life alone, will you get through? Yeah, but you still go to heaven. Yeah, but you're going to be limping along the way to get there. Life is better together. All right, Pastorette, I get it. We're launching small groups today. You're talking about relationships. What does it look like? That's, that's the question I hope you're asking today is, okay, if I get into a group, can you kind of just give me an idea of what it looks like? Are, are like, we all going to like circle up in chairs and they're going to make me stand up in front of, and actually call me in front of the circle and like do this like tunnel of fire and pray for me and make me feel all weird and awkward. No, it's not going to happen. And if it does, let me know. Cause we're going to put an end to that real quick. Okay. <laughs> no, what you can't expect and I'll give these things to you. There's four things that you can expect. But before I do, to kind of help answer this question, I want to do it a little differently. I kind of want to look at the life of David. Now, who is David? Now, he's a man in the Old Testament. He was known as the greatest king of Israel. Now, in fact, although he was the greatest king in Israel, it didn't always start that way. In fact, you need to know one thing about David. He lived in obscurity for years. He was a one of eight kids. And he was the eighth of eight kids. So he was the runt of the brunch, of the bunch, whatever you want to call it. And he was in a middle-class family. And in fact, you knew that his dad didn't even care really much about him because he got regulated to the fields with a sheep. He was a shepherd. And out of all his brothers and out of every uh, obligation and duty, he got given the job. Fill in the blank. Because listen, can I tell you one thing about shepherds? I know you think all that Christmas cards and Christmas carols and woo, they're so nice and neat and clean with their staff and their clean sheep and the beautiful field overlooking the meadow with the moon like just kind of setting off in the distance. Like, oh man, if I could just be a shepherd, that'd be amazing. And I have to do anything but look at this all day. This is awesome. Can I tell you that is the furthest thing from the truth of a shepherd? Being a shepherd is nasty. It's stanky. I say stank. That's right. I'm from Alabama. I'm from the South. Don't judge me. It's stanky. It's nasty. It's dirty. And it's full of sheep. <laughs> Come on, y'all are out of Hoans. You've been in a, you know what I'm saying, right? And it's all up on you. And those sheep don't like to listen. They like to do their own thing. It's constantly herding and doing this and bringing them in and trying to keep them clean. And I mean, like, it's disgusting. Nobody wanted it. But yet David, the one of eight middle-class family, he's a shepherd. But God, but God, God didn't see in David just a shepherd. God saw in David a king. God saw in David something David didn't even see in himself or his own father saw or his own family saw. In the middle of his mess, David was faithful to God. Look at this. Acts 13, 22 kind of sets it up. Paul, in, as the New Testament church is being built, he says, hey guys, after removing Saul, who was Saul, he was the previous king before David. He made David their king. Now God testified concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Now, wait a minute for a second. How in the world did David, this little shepherd boy, middle-class family, living in obscurity, insignificant little boy that nobody even knows, how in the world can that little boy be a man after God's own heart? Check out the rest of the verse. Look at this. He's a man after my own heart because David, ah, he'll do everything I want him to do. In other words, when I, when I tell David how important it is to do life with others, oh, David just does it, man. He just takes that next step. He pulls up the olc.church website and goes to the online directory and gets in community. I didn't say that, but within the context of what I'm trying to teach you today, David was willing to do everything that God wanted him to do. 
and relationships were a part of that. So how did David go from obscurity to king? How did David become a man after God's own heart? How did David move from where he was to where God wanted him to be? How did David live the best life ever? It was because his life was marked by life-giving relationships with people and God. But you can't leave out the people part. And so what I want to do today, my hope is to show you today how you and I can experience the type of relationships that moved David from where he was to where God wanted him to be through small groups. So look at this. 1 Samuel 16, 12 through 13. We're not going to read the whole story. We're going to give you some snippets here, okay? It says, then the Lord said, and he's speaking to Samuel at this point, okay? Samuel tells uh, David, hey, rise and anoint him. This is what God's speaking through Samuel. He says, this is the one, speaking about David. So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed David. Now, time out for a second. We don't really get this in our culture today because we don't really like pour oil on people. Like, what's up with that? That's weird, right? That's that weird small group, okay? We don't do that. But in this culture, it made perfect sense. And in other words, in this culture, that was a sign of blessing. That was a sign of like calling the best out of somebody and saying, I mean, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. This is what's actually happening. And God is using Samuel to get to David to say, hey, David, I know you think you've been living in obscurity. Hey, David, I know you think that you're insignificant little shepherd boy, but I need you to know something, David. Today, you are the one. God has a plan. God has a hope. God has a future for your life. God doesn't see a shepherd, David. God sees a king. God sees a king. And I'm just saying, guys, it is time that we get some Samuels in our life who call out the best in us, who say, hey, 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 my friend, I know you think you're going to work that dead-end job forever. In fact, I know you think you're going to be enslaved to debt forever. In fact, I think you may even feel like you're going to be enslaved to that addiction, whatever it may be, forever. But I'm here to tell you, as a friend who speaks the truth of God's word in your life, you are a son and you are a daughter of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. Through who? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because you are a son and daughter, the spirit of Christ lives within you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within you. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. My friend, you are victorious. You are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. In the word of your testimony, you are created on purpose, for a purpose, to make a difference. You are not called to insignificance. You are called to live a significant life we need some Samuels in our life to call out the best in us but that's just the beginning look at the beautiful byproduct look at the rest of the verse of why this is important and from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David come on don't miss this in other words, if you want to experience the power and the presence of God Almighty in your life, living the best life, not only do you need a relationship with God, but you've got to involve people in the process. You've got to have some Samuels in your life who will call out the best in you. And this is what you can expect in a small group. Write this down if you're taking notes. When you join a small group, you can expect that you're going to be around a brotherhood or a sisterhood of people who are going to call out the best in you. When you're together, they're going to speak life over you. They're going to speak encouragement over you. 
to a brother like me, if I go to firearms and fellowship, you know what they're gonna say? They're gonna like, hey brother, this looks like you've never held a gun in your entire life, but we're glad you're here today. It's really cool to have you. This is how you hold it. No, no, that clip is upside down, my brother. Put it in like this, right? Here you go. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, you're doing a good job. Now fire, boom. I know you shot 10 times and you missed the target like a lot, but we're glad you're here, man. Just come back next week and we'll get you a little bit closer, Rhett. You know what I'm saying? That's what it looks like. You say, man, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to encourage you while I also lift you up. Guys, I'm just trying to tell you today, you're never going to live your best life alone. You're never going to live your best life hopeless and discouraged. You need people in your life who are going to encourage you and who are going to lift you up and who are going to inspire you towards the hope and remind you of who you are in Christ. I want you to experience the power of this verse, every one of you. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron. Have you ever seen iron sharpening iron, by the way? That sounds like a beautiful verse, doesn't it? It, it, it? Iron sharpening iron, guess what? There's friction, baby. There's so much friction that there's so much heat that sparks fly. That's how much there is a closeness and proximity of each other. We need people in our life so close who are willing to let sparks fly. Why? So that we can become better. Look at this. It's a friend sharpens a friend. Guys, it's time to say no to the negative voices. It's time to say no to the negative voices. Listen to me, ladies. Some of you need to pull out your cell phone discreetly right now, and you need to text that coworker that you've been having that little flirtatious relationship with or that person who messaged you on Facebook that you don't know who you've been kind of flirting with. You need to text them or instant message them. Say, uh, Pastorette said it's O-V-E-R. It's over. Hit the road, Jack, and don't come back no more. In fact, if you text me again, I'm sicking Pastorette on you and the entire Church of One Life. In fact, change your phone number if you have to. Hey guys, listen to me. Some of you men in the room, you need to put down the video games. You need to put down the computer and all the online stuff that you're searching and doing and looking at that you don't think anybody else knows because you keep clear your history and delete your caches and all that. You need to put down the computer and you need to get in community. And you need a group of men in your life who say, hey listen man, I'm not here to judge you. In fact, I, I, I've struggled and still struggle with the same thing. Whatever online addiction that is, you need some men in your life who say, I just want you to know that you're forgiven, that you're healed, that you're whole, and that although this is what you're doing, this is not who you are. There is freedom on the other side. His name is Jesus, and he can help you, and it's a process. You need men in your life who will say, listen, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. You're not a failure. You're a success. Why? Because you're God's son. And not only that, I'm your friend. And I'm here to be with you and to walk with you along the way. Because I'm not perfect either. We're on this journey together. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Amen. It's time to say yes to God's plan and purpose for our life. It's time to surround our life with life-giving relationships. Why? So that we can live our best life. Ladies, some of you need to be in a small group. Why? Because you need some women speaking in your life, saying, hey, that, that, that fool who called you ugly and is trying to get you to do things that you know you shouldn't do? That guy's a fool. He's a moron. He's an idiot. You are beautiful. Women, you need to speak this into the women. You're beautiful. You're handcrafted as a masterpiece in God's hands. God has a plan and purpose for your life, and it isn't that fool over there. 
God loves you just the way you are. I don't care what Instagram says. I don't care what TikTok says. I don't care what, what, whatever culture things that could be trying to infiltrate your mind to tell you what beauty says. No, you are beautiful as a daughter of God just the way you are. You are made perfect in his sight. Ladies, you need that. Man, you need, you need guys who are like, hey, bro, you were made for this. You're going to be an incredible father, an incredible leader. God has a plan and purpose for your life. You can do this. You can do this. You were made for this. We all need this, including the person who's speaking to you today. I need this. When it comes to living your best life, small groups, they're important. What can you expect? Well, we're going to call out the best in each other, okay? But we're also going to call out to God for each other. Write that down. That's number two. We're going to call out to God for each other. And you can expect this in a small group. So let me get back to David's life really quick. So David was anointed king, but he wasn't king yet. No, David had to go through a process. In fact, one of the stories, Cliff Notes version, uh, there's an army happening right now. There's a war between the Israelites and the Philistines. Anybody remember this? And they had that one giant Philistine. His name was Goliath. He was huge. And he was just, just kind of yelling out all kind of lies and venom. And all, King Saul and the whole army were afraid. Right. And David's like, oh, not me, man. I'm not afraid, man. I've tackled bears. I've tackled lions. I've been wild taking care of sheep. I've been in a process. This, this uncircumcised Philistine, uh, he's not going to defy the armies of my God. So, hey, Goliath, you may be coming at me with words, a sword, and whatever else you got, but I come at you in the name of the Lord, my God. Picked up a rock, swung it a couple times, slung it from about 100 yards. I don't know how far, but it hit the brother right here. Goliath went out, the whole army fleed, and the Israelites had the victory that day. That's how David found favor with King Saul and got into King Saul's army. Fast forward. King Saul, I mean, uh, King Saul puts David in positions of leading his army. David fights several victories, several wars, and he, and he wins every one of them. In fact, David becomes more popular than Saul, the king. In fact, the ladies even begin to start noticing David. They're like, hi, <laughs> David. You know, Saul has killed his thousands, but you, David, you've killed your ten thousands. You know what I'm saying? That's what the, this is how I read the Bible, by the way. If you're not reading it that way, you're missing out. They wrote a song about it. <laughs> You know that was happening? Did King Saul like that? No, King Saul got mad. He got jealous. He got angry. And actually, he began to be afraid of David, so much so that he put out a death warrant on David's head. said, kill this guy, because he wants to take over. David never wanted to take over. He always honored Saul. He always honored Saul. And he did everything that he could to bless Saul, but Saul didn't want anything of it. And so David, uh, Saul sent out a death warrant, and David's life got very stressed out, very anxious, and he was living on the run. So his good days went to bad days real quick. First Samuel 23, 15 through 16. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Come on, how many of you know that is a bad day? Somebody wants to kill you? Like, that's a bad day. Now, I don't know what your bad day is today. I hope it's not somebody threatening your life. And if it is, please let us know. We will get involved and we will help get you into a safe place. Some of you in this room are listening online. Maybe you've had a bad doctor report. Maybe you got news that your company was closing down and you're going to be jobless. Maybe your spouse had threatened the word divorce and you've been married years and you never thought that would ever happen. And here you are. You're having a bad day. I need you to understand something that no matter what the situation, no matter what you face, good or bad, everybody needs somebody to help them find strength in God. In fact, David had this. Not only did he have Samuel, he had a man 
by the name of Jonathan, who also happened to be King Saul's son. Look at this. Saul's son, Jonathan, what did he do? He went to David and he met David in his place of greatest pain. He went and met him at the place where he received the death threat. And he helped David. What did he do? He helped him find strength in God. Everybody needs somebody to help them find strength in God. Because, my friends, it's not a matter of if you're going to have a bad day. It's just a matter of when you're going to have a bad day. Well, Pastor Rhett, can you just be a little bit more positive? I mean, geez, we're at church. Okay, you ready? I want to be a lot positive. You ready? I am positive that everybody, including myself, we're going to have some bad days, everybody. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) And this is why I love our small group so much. Why? Because they create an opportunity for you to be in life-giving relationships, to have men and women to stand in front, behind, side to side, who've got your back on the good days and who've got your back on the bad days when you need some help finding strength in God. And this is good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Rhett. This is good. Proverbs 17, 17. Check this out. A friend, let me read this in the context of today. A small group, man, they'll love you at all times. Why? Because they were made for this. A brother and a sister was made for a bad day, for a time of adversity. And all our small group group leaders know that they were created on purpose, for purpose, to do what? To call out the best in you. To call out to God for you. But here's the third thing. Write this down. And also to speak the truth in love to you. To speak the truth in love. So let's get back to David's story. Fast forward David's story. Saul eventually dies. David becomes king. Good days. A lot of victories are happening. Everybody loves David. Greatest king in Israel. It's amazing. But David did something stupid, y'all. And by the way, we are all one step away from stupid. So don't get judgy or religious on David here, okay? We're all one step away from stupid. And if you don't think you're one step away from stupid, my friend, you're already there. So David does something stupid. In fact, when he should have been off at war, helping his brothers fight and make a difference with his life, he isolated himself. So much so that he put himself in a position on the top of his roof, roof so he could overlook all the online filth. No, not there because he didn't have a computer, but that's what he was doing. Because the women in that day bathed on the top of the roof. And he caught an eye of one girl who happened to be married, by the way. And he was used to getting what he wanted. He was in an isolated place. He let a thought come in. That thought took over, became an action. He said, I want that woman. She comes to his chambers. They sleep together. He gets her pregnant. Some messed up stuff. Her husband on the battle front, man of honor, trying to honor the king and honor his country, has no idea that this is happening. So David's like, I got to squelch this mess because I've done messed up. Right? And so he said, put that man on the front lines and have him killed. Could the story get even any worse? He slept with a woman who wasn't his wife, had a child with her, (laughs) right? And killed the the woman's husband. That's got like, oh my God, that's like like a daytime drama, soap opera. Like, is this really in the Bible? Yeah, it's really there. So what I want you to see is that although David made a horrible mistake, David did something right throughout the journey of his life, and that is his life was marked by incredible relationships. He allowed people into his life, guys like Samuel and Jonathan. But there was another guy that he was doing life with named Nathan. Nathan was a prophet. 
So God spoke to Nathan about the situation and Nathan went to address it in front of David. And this is what he said to David. He gave him a hypothetical story. Uh, David didn't know that he was a part of the story. And so Nathan said, hey, David, I got a story for you, man. Just sit back, relax, check this out. There was a man who had everything. Like nothing was kept from him. This is the Cliff Notes version. This is the Rhett version. There was a man who had everything. He could have anything he wanted. But there was also another man who had only one thing that was really most important to him. And this man who had everything stole from the man who only had one thing. So David, what do you, what do you think we should do to the man who had everything that stole from the man who only had one thing? David gets furious. He's like, we should kill the brother. Are you kidding me? That's wrong. And look at what Nathan says. 2 Samuel 12, 7. Then Nathan said to David, David, you're that man. And in that moment, you can read about this in Psalm 51. In that moment, David hit his knees and he began to cry out to God. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me of my transgressions. Have mercy on me. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, that I might not sin against you. The reason David hit his knees and began to repent is because he had a friend in his life who not only called out the best in him, who not only called out the God for him, but also spoke the truth in love to David when he needed it the most. And because he did, David began to find forgiveness, healing, wholeness, and freedom. I don't want you to miss that. And I love this verse so much. There's so much wisdom in this verse, Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. An open rebuke, an honest truth from a friend in a small group is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend, wounds from somebody, hey man, I've got your back, we're in this together. They're better than many kisses from an enemy. So as we close, what do we know today? What do we know is God has a plan. God has a hope. God has a future for your life. What do we know? We know that in order to live our best life, we cannot do it alone. What are we learning? We're learning, guys, that it's time. It's time for what? It's time for together. It's time for small groups. It's time to make the choice, although it's not easy. It may not feel like it. It's time for us to make the choice, to pull up that online directory and to find a life-giving group to where we can have the best called out of us to where you and I can have people who call out to God for us. And so that you and I can have people who will be honest and bold enough to speak the things that we don't wanna hear, but we know we need to hear to keep us on track to our best life, to speak the truth in love. Is any of this easy? No, but is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. Ask anybody that has been a part of a small group, they will tell you. The bottom line is this, guys, it is your choice. And I just wanna encourage you, wherever you are, I want to encourage you. Don't pray about it. There ain't nothing to pray about. It's God's design. Do it. Make the choice. Oh, I don't need to ask God if I should do this. No, the answer is yes. Do it. Nothing to pray about. Make the choice. Can I encourage you to do that? If you want to live the best life ever, have the best summer ever, it begins with life-giving relationships. But as we're talking about life-giving relationships, I told you earlier there are four things that you can find in a small group, and I can't leave this one out. In fact, I would be remiss if I left out really what as important as all these other relationships are. There are none more important. There are none more significant than your relationship with God. There are none more important than Jesus. That's why you can expect in a small group that we will point you to Jesus. We're going to point you to Jesus. Why? 
Because <laughs> he's the only one that can change your life. We can't. I can't. You can't. None of us can. But we can point you to the one who can. What's his name? His name is Jesus. So here's the question. Who is Jesus? Well, I'm here to tell you today. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. He's the one who chose to pay a penalty that you and I were supposed to pay. My friends, God is a holy God. And in the very nature of the word holy, it means that the sin cannot stand within it. And because God is holy and sin can't stand within it, God said, that's a problem that I want to address because I want to be with my people. I want to be with my sons. I want to be with my daughters. And so God loved you enough that he didn't make you pay the sacrifice. He didn't make you pay the penalty of sin, which is death. No, 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 no. He said, I love you so much that I'm willing to pay a price so you don't have to. Guys, that's love. This is the God we serve. He loved you enough to pay for your guilt, your shame, the condemnation, the pain, the hurt, the wounds, everything. To give you life, to give you freedom, so that you could experience the best summer ever. In fact, it goes obviously beyond the best summer ever and just living the best life ever. How does it begin? It begins by simply confessing with your mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord. I'm tired of trying to do this thing on my own. I need you. It begins with coming into a relationship with God. And it'd be my honor to lead you and to introduce you to a God who loves you. His name is Jesus. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? Nobody looking around. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Who did he give? His son, Jesus so that whoever would believe in him will have eternal life. Well, how do we believe? Well, Romans 10, 9 says, if we simply just confess openly, declare publicly with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, what will happen? You will be saved. You'll experience eternal life. And there's many of you in this room today who have experienced religion and not a relationship. There is a difference and you know it because you're still feeling the burden and the shame, the distance from God. You can't do anything to earn righteousness. You've tried. I've tried. It can't happen. The only way that you earn a right standing and that your sin is paid for so that you can experience the miracle of salvation is to receive what has already been done through who? Through Jesus, God's one and only son. And it's my pleasure and honor to introduce you to him today to come into this relationship. So if you're here today, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room or joining us online and you say, Pastorette, I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to come into a relationship with God. I want my sins forgiven. I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life, knowing that when I die, I'm going to experience eternal life. But even more than that, I want to experience the hope and the fulfillment of this life. If that's you, come on, be bold all across this room. Come on, throw your hands up right now. If that's you, God bless you, sir. Come on, you're not promised tomorrow. God bless you, sir. Today is the day. This is the most significant moment. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, young man. This is the most significant moment in your entire life. Don't miss it. God loves you. He's close. You can put your hands down. Would you say a prayer like this? And honestly, it's not even a really about the words. It's just about a heart that connects with God. Just say, 
God, thank you for loving me and wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is your son and I believe that he died and he rose again to pay for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I give you permission to take residence in my heart and in my life. I declare you today as my Lord and as my Savior. Now pray this, say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life to help me make a difference. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, one life. Throw your hands together. Let's celebrate with those who made a decision for Jesus this morning. God bless you.